Yep, clap. Perfect. And action. Welcome to Living Room Worship at Ethos. We know that virtual worship falls far short of meeting together in person. But until we're able to do that, we will meet here each week worshiping our King together. Charlie, lead us in singing praises to our King. Good morning, Ethos, and anyone else who's watching. Uh, love you guys. I miss you. Can't wait till we can do this in person, but we're doing the best we can here on YouTube. So if you have any suggestions on how we could make this better for you, please let, them, let us know. Leave us a comment. Leave us a like. Our call to worship today comes from Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let's pray. Father, you are our hope. You are our comfort. You also push us past what we think we need or we can handle. You grow us spiritually and internally in ways that we don't always understand, but you're constantly pushing us and driving us to become more like you. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. We pray for those that are hurting right now. We pray for those that are really having a hard time right now, struggling with isolation and all the things that it brings. We pray that you would bless those people, bless us with your love. Let us know that you're here, Lord. Amen. Let's sing Good, Good Father. I am 
waiting for answers Far and wide But I know We're all searching for answers Only you provide Cause you know Just what we need before We say we're your good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am Your good, good father It's who you are It's who you are Who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To
Come Thou Fout. Come Thou Fount of every blessing To my heart to sing Thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it Mount of loud's redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I'm come And I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed his precious blood Oh, to grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness, like a fetter Bond my wandering heart to thee Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave the God I love Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Good morning, Ethos. Today we're going to be reading the Nicene Creed together. So, read along with us. We We believe believe in one God, the Father Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father, through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. 
He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. Thank you, guys. Oh, I love those ancient creeds. Would you pray with me in preparation for hearing God's word? Father in heaven, creator of all things, We thank you that we can gather here around your word. I pray, Father, that you would enlighten our eyes. Help us understand what you have communicated to us through your word. We trust you to meet us here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the emotions that seems to bubble to the surface during times of crisis is a inner deep longing for security. We just really want to feel safe. We crave to know that everything is going to be okay and my loved ones are going to be okay and I'm going to be safe. And if I don't feel that sense of safety and security, it often leads to fear and anxiety and often despair. Some of us have been living there this month. But there are those who know that same feeling of despair in regard to the security of their eternal destiny. I have a dear, dear friend who is a godly man in every sense of the word who is deeply troubled with doubts regarding his salvation He and others, like my friend, are plagued by doubts and fears that perhaps the gospel is simply too good to be true. Or why would God choose them over others? They struggle with fear, and perhaps they feel that they will sin bad enough in days ahead, or somehow they will stop believing and fall from grace. After having been a Christian and known the love of God, that somehow they might lose eternal life and fall from grace. It's a scary place. To be convinced of the reality of heaven and hell and think that maybe somehow you might miss out on heaven, that is really scary. His fear is real. But my friends, worry is not based on truth. The Bible teaches that once a person is redeemed, he will never again be cast away. That losing your salvation is simply not possible once God has saved one. The Bible doctrine is called the perseverance of the saints. Now, I don't have time this morning to do a comprehensive dive into the scriptures regarding perseverance. 
But I do want to examine a, a couple verses here in our trek through the Gospel of John, where I believe clearly teaches this great doctrine of perseverance of the saints. My hope is that your faith will be grounded in truth. My words this morning are particularly for those who struggle with fear and anxiety over their eternal security. I want and I pray that the Holy Spirit will see fit to take the truths presented here in John chapter 10 to open the eyes of your understanding to this one great truth. I pray that you will find rest and peace. Our verses this morning are found in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. John writes, in Jesus' words, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. This is the Word of God. You remember in John chapter 9, where Jesus healed the man who had been born blind? He healed him on the Sabbath, and the Jews hated him for it. For you see, their Sabbath rules had established for themselves a means that they thought would lead to eternal life. They were so entrenched in their works-based religious system that they would not consider that they'd missed it. Their system of salvation was totally based on their own works and keeping their understanding of what it meant to keep the law. They believed that by their obedience they would earn the favor of God. Every system, my friends, that makes obedience the critical factor in their relationship with God has a low view of Scripture because Scripture does not present that. But from their standpoint, it was only logical that if your salvation is earned by your works, if you no longer do those works, then you may lose that salvation, your good standing with God. That which is established by works will be kept by works. You see, they just really couldn't see that salvation is a free gift of God, motivated motivated by His great love and mercy. That salvation is completely unearned, undeserved and unmerited. That salvation is granted from God Himself and received by faith alone. Grace and faith were not a part of their equation. This is the background to the words we find in John chapter 10. In these two short verses, we find two massive arguments for the doctrine of preservation or perseverance of the saints. We find both the purpose of God and we find the power of God. First, 
the purpose of God. As I've read this chapter over and over again these last several weeks, one thing stands out more clear than ever. Jesus is the hero of this story. We read in John chapter 10 that he's the good shepherd. He is the door. He is the one who gives life and gives life abundant. He is the one who lays down his life for his sheep. He is the one who grants eternal life. All the emphasis of John chapter 10 is on Jesus, the shepherd. It's not on the faithfulness of the sheep. It's not on the wisdom of the sheep. It's not on the obedience of the sheep. In fact, the emphasis is not on the sheep at all, but about a very, very good shepherd who protects and guides and lays down his life for his sheep. My anxious friend, you may rest in the security of your salvation, not because of anything good found in you, but because everything good is found in him. Your salvation is sure because it's God's work in you. He has purposed to save you, and nothing can thwart His purpose. His purpose will stand. One of my favorite texts is Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10. We read here that he, declaring, he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel will stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Let me take you to a place in God's word where he speaks about his purposes for you and your salvation. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 28, Paul writes about the order of salvation. He writes, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. These verses highlight the sequence of of salvation, they have come to be known through history as the golden chain of salvation. We find the plan of God for salvation is laid out clearly in this text. It shows us that salvation is from start to finish a work of God. I pointed out here that God does not start your salvation and then somehow give you a nudge in the right direction, wishing you luck and hoping for the best. Not at all. 
Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. Nothing you do or don't do will get you to heaven or keep you there. As a follower of Jesus, your salvation is God's idea. And you're not going to mess it up. God and God alone saves. It is not about what you do to earn it or deserve it or to lose it. What he starts, he will complete. Because, as Isaiah says, his purpose will stand. If he foreknew you, he predestines you. If he predestines you, he will call you. If he calls you, you will be justified. And if you are justified, you will be glorified. Now, this term glorified is especially important when we speak about our perseverance of the saints, our salvation. To be glorified means a couple of different things. First of all, it means that one day, when He comes again, we will be given a new body, a body that is much like His when we read in the Scripture between His resurrection and His ascension on into heaven. It will be a real, spatial body, but it will be vastly improved to the body that we have now. In this body, this new body, we will no longer have pain or sorrow. We will never tire. We will never be sick. It will be immortal. We will never die. So that's the first thing it means to be glorified. Our bodies will be glorified But secondly, to be glorified means that He will complete His work in us, making us more like Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, our text that we just read, Paul writes that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. You see, Jesus has started a great work in us. He is recreating us into His own image. Like a sculptor who downplays his skill in the creation of his art, he describes his art simply as chipping away all the pieces that doesn't look like what he sees in the marble. In much the same way, God is at work within you, chipping away all those things in your life that do not look like Jesus. My friend, He will not leave His work unfinished. He will complete the work that He has started in you. In that day, when we see Jesus, we will truly be conformed to the image of His Son, His purpose will stand. You need not worry that God's purpose is going to change for you. You are safe and secure because of God's purpose for you. But secondly, we also see Not only the purpose of God, but the power of God in our text this morning. Let me read it once more. 
Please listen for what it says about the power of God. I read again verse 28 and 29. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of of my Father's hand. You see, not only does the purpose of God keep us from falling from grace, it is the power of God that keeps and sustains us until we reach heaven's shores. It works a little bit like His power as seen in creation. We know that God created the heavens and the earth with a word from his mouth. He spoke and all things came into existence. We know that he created the world, but we also know that he sustains the world by a word, the word of his power. If he should withdraw his power for even one moment, the whole universe would come crashing back into non-existence. You see, not only does God create, but He sustains His creation. He will not create what He cannot sustain. Now let's apply that same truth to your salvation. He gave you new life. It was a work of God in your life to bring you to life, to change your heart of stone into a heart of flesh, to create in you new life, making you a new creature in Christ. Just like in creation, not only does He create in you new life, but He sustains that new life in you. If God did not keep you spiritually alive moment by moment, if He would somehow withdraw His Holy Spirit from you even for a moment, we would instantly crash back to our old unredeemed natures. But He's not going to do that. You are the bride of Christ, a follower of Jesus not only because He created new life in you, but He sustains your life. You see, it is that preserving power of God that keeps you redeemed. Verse 29 says, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. My Father is greater than all. Jesus is saying, whatever my Father wants to do, that's exactly what He does. There is no situation that could possibly develop or exist that will threaten to undo what God Himself has done. No one can snatch even one sheep from my Father's hand. The argument is simple. If it's the power of God that is holding us, who can undo that great power? 
Now it is true that we have a great enemy. As followers of Christ, we have a powerful enemy. For you see, Satan will do everything that he knows how to do, everything in his power to render us useless to the kingdom of God. Few things will render us more useless than fear and insecurity. Fear of losing somehow our relationship with God. But please understand that Satan is the father of lies and he is also the accuser who will accuse you of your sin. He is the one that seeks to convince you that you can lose your salvation or that God doesn't love you. He is the accuser that will continually bring up your old sins and tell you that you can't possibly be a child of God. We have an enemy of our souls. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul writes very powerfully that, For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, as believers, I'm afraid that we often forget that we have an enemy and that we're in a battle. An enemy that would drive us away from the safety and the security that we might find in our Father. To drive us away from basking in the great love of our Father. Seeking to convince us that we're simply not good enough. That there is no way a child of God can act the way we sometimes do. That our goodness is somehow not good enough. On that he has tried. Our goodness is not enough. But it's never been about our goodness. It's always been about God's power to hold his own. You see, Satan is a liar. And he is an accuser. And the way you fight him, the way you do battle with him, is with the truth of what the Bible says is true. You're toast if you don't. Because you're simply not strong enough or wise enough to do battle with one who is the enemy of your soul. But the glorious thing is, is that you don't have to fight Him on your own. It is the power of God. It is teaching yourself and preaching to yourself about the power of God who will hold you safe. Your mind can be at rest when you hear, My Father is greater than all. Our passage this morning gives two very powerful reasons why you can never, ever lose your salvation. The purpose and power of God Himself are truths that you can hold on to when your enemy accuses you and lies to you. How I hope that these two truths will permeate your soul so much that all the doubts and all the fears will hold no power over you again. 
that they will just simply melt away. But you must preach to yourself these truths. If you listen to your doubts, listen to your fears and your li- and the lies of the enemy, you will not experience the joy of being secure in Jesus, but you must preach to yourself the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the most powerful questions that I ask myself over and over again when I tend to be stressed and question is, what do I know to be true? And when I focus on the truth of the gospel and the purpose and the power of God, my fears melt away. Your salvation is as secure as the purpose and power of God. For if you can lose your salvation, if you can ever be lost after having been saved, then God is not faithful. He's fickle and He cannot be trusted. But my friend, He is faithful. His purpose will stand. He keeps His promises. And He will never leave you, nor will He forsake you. Not even the devil himself can rip you out of his hands. His purpose will stand. Now to my friends who are listening who do not know if you've ever been a true follower of Jesus, my heart goes out to you. I want you to have the safety and security that can be yours as a follower of Jesus Christ. I would simply suggest to you that you surrender all that you are to all that you know that He is. And He will accept you. I plead with you to bow your knee before King Jesus, to trust Him to do what He says He will do in His Word. And He is faithful. Our Scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't you want that to be you today? He will rescue you. And you too can know the safety and security of being a child of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, will you drive these truths home into our understanding that we might experience the joy of being a child of God, safe and secure, in the arms of our shepherd. I pray these, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive now the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you His peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord bless you.